Hey guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere and each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. With Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandslots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Section 21 of Women of Versailles, the Court of Louis XIV by Arthur Léon Ambert de Saint-Amand. Translated by Elizabeth Gilbert Martin. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Read by Pamela Nagami. Chapter 16 the duchess of burgundy part one the court was all agog because a little girl of eleven years had just arrived in france this child was maria adelaide future duchess of burgundy daughter of victor amadeus the second duke of savoy on sunday november fourth sixteen ninety six the town of montargis was en fête the bells were ringing with all their might. Louis the Fourteenth, leaving Fontainebleau in the morning, had come to meet the young princess destined to espouse his grandson, and all eyes were bent on the first interview between her and the Sun King. He received her as she was alighting from the carriage and said to Danjou, Will you allow me to fill your post for today? Danjou was chevalier of honor to the princess. The newcomer charmed the king from the first moment by the distinction of her manners, her native prettiness, her little responses full of grace and spirit. Louis the Fourteenth embraced her in the carriage. She kissed his hand several times while ascending the staircase that led to the apartment she was to occupy. When the king returned to his chamber, Danjou took the liberty of asking him whether he was contented with the princess i am too much so i can scarcely contain my joy then turning toward monsieur he added how i wish that his poor mother could be here a few moments to witness the joy we are having he wrote afterwards to madame de maintenon she let me speak first and afterwards she answered me very well but with a little embarrassment that would have pleased you i led her to her chamber through the crowd letting them see her from time to time by bringing the torches near her face she stood this walk and the lights with grace and modesty she has the best grace and the most beautiful shape that i ever saw dressed fit to be painted and her hair also very bright and beautiful eyes with admirable black lashes complexion very smooth white and red as one could wish and a great quantity of the finest fair hair that one ever saw. She has failed in nothing, and has conducted herself as you might have done. Through her mother, Maria Adelaide was the granddaughter of that beautiful Henrietta of England, whose life and death 
have been immortalized by Bossuet in her funeral oration. She was about to revive the charm of this greatly regretted princess, and her presence at Versailles renewed the joy and animation of happier days. She was installed immediately on her arrival in the chamber formerly occupied by the queen, and afterwards by the Bavarian Dauphiness. The king made her a present of the beautiful menagerie of Versailles, which is opposite the Trianon Palace. Never was a grandfather more tenderly affectionate toward his granddaughter. He took pains to contrive amusements and recreations for her. Madame, the Princess Palatine, wrote, November 8, 1696, Everyone is becoming a child again. The Princess d'Arcourt and Madame de Pontchartrain played at blind man's buff day before yesterday with the princess and monsieur the dauphin monsieur the princesse de comte madame de ventadour my two other ladies and myself played it yesterday naturally madame de maintenon was charged with finishing the education of the little princess the first time she took her to saint cyr she had her received with great ceremony the superior complimented her the community in long mantles awaited her at the door of the cloister all the pupils were ranged in double lines through which she passed on her way to the church little girls of her own age recited a dialogue tinctured with delicate praise the princess was delighted and asked to come again afterwards madame de maintenon took her regularly to saint cyr two or three times a week to spend the entire day and follow the lessons of the red class. There was no more etiquette. Maria de Laide wore the same uniform as the pupils and was called Mademoiselle de Lastique. She was good, affable, gracious to everybody, occupying herself with the different affairs of the ladies and with all the works and studies of the pupils, subjecting herself frankly to all the practices of the house, even to silence running and playing with the reds in the long alleys of the garden, going with them to choir, confession, and catechism. At other times she put on the habit of the ladies and did the honours of the house to some illustrious visitor, notably the Queen of England. Readers note Mary of Modena, wife of James II. Back to main text. Louis Fourteenth, charmed with the princess, decided that she should be married the very day she was twelve years old. December 7, 1797, she espoused Louis of France, Duke of Burgundy, who was fifteen and a half years old. The bridegroom wore a black mantle embroidered with gold and a white doublet with diamond buttons. The mantle was lined with rose satin. The bride had a robe and under-petticoat of cloth of silver, bordered with precious stones, and she wore the crown diamonds. Cardinal de Coislin gave the young couple the nuptial benediction in the chapel of Versailles. After Mass there was a grand banquet for the royal family in the room known as the antechamber of the Queen's apartment. In the evening the court assembled in the Salon of Peace to witness the fireworks set off at the end of the Swiss lake, and then to take the supper served, like the banquet, in the antechamber of the Queen's apartment. After supper they passed on into the sleeping chamber of the Duchess, where there was a bed of green velvet embroidered with gold and silver, which was blessed by Cardinal de Coislin. 
a moment later the king sent all the men out of the room the duke of burgundy disrobed before the ladies and the queen of england handed him his shirt as soon as the couple had been put to bed louis the fourteenth summoned the ambassador of savoy and showed him that they were lying down the ambassador immediately sent a gentleman to carry this news to victor amadeus nevertheless this marriage concluded amidst so many splendours was as yet merely for form's sake seeing that the pair were so extremely youthful the king would not permit his grandson to kiss even the tip of the duchess's finger until they should actually come together hence the young duke rose again at the end of fifteen minutes dressed himself in the chamber and returned to his own room through the hall of the guards there was a grand ball in the gallery of mirrors december eleventh the pyramids of candles glittered even more than the lustres and girandoles louis the fourteenth had said that he would be pleased to have the court display great luxury and himself though for a long while he had worn none but very simple costumes had put on a superb one it was who should surpass the others in richness and invention there was hardly silver and gold enough to be had the king who had encouraged all these expenses said notwithstanding that he could not understand how husbands could be foolish enough to let themselves be ruined by their wives dresses two days after the marriage the duchess wanted to show herself in state dress to her friends at st cyr she was all in white and her robe was so heavily embroidered with silver that she could hardly bear the weight of it the community received the princess in great pomp and conducted her to the church where hymns were chanted the separation of the young spouses lasted for two years after the ceremony of their marriage and according to Danjou's journal did not end until toward the close of sixteen ninety nine until then the duke of burgundy came to see the duchess every day they were even allowed to chat together but there were always ladies in the room during their interviews the amiable princess is now one of the most attractive of women without her all would wither at this court which would resemble a magnificent convent the flowers would be less fair the fields less gay the streams less clear thanks to her seductive charm everything revives all lights up under the rays of a vernal sun she loves louis the fourteenth sincerely one cannot approach this exceptional man for whom the word prestige would have to be invented if it did not exist and who is as affectionate good and affable as he is majestic and imposing the admiration professed for him by the young princess is sincere grateful and flattered by the kindness he shows her she venerates him as the most glorious representative of divine right and while she venerates she amuses him she flings her arms about his neck at any time she sits down on his knees she diverts him by every sort of badinage she looks at his papers she opens and reads his letters in his presence a continual succession of pleasure parties and entertainments goes on followed by a train of women of twenty the princess loves to sail in a gondola on the grand canal of the park of versailles and to remain there several hours of the night sometimes until sunrise hunts collations comedies serenades illuminations sailing parties fireworks 
every day a new diversion is organized the king wishes that the duchess of burgundy should please herself in this court of which she is the ornament and the hope she must smooth out the wrinkles of the monarch who is weary of fame and pleasures she must be the good genius the enchantress of versailles the mirrors of the great gallery must reflect her splendid toilets her dazzling ornaments she must appear in the gardens like an armida in the forests like a nymph on the water like a siren in the hall of the queen's guards there may be seen at present a full-length portrait of the princess she is standing dressed in a robe of cloth of silver and holds in her left hand a bouquet of orange flowers a woman in polish costume is holding up the train of her lilied mantle in front of her a cupid is holding a cushion on which flowers are lying at the back of the picture one sees a garden and a pedestal on which is the signature of the painter santerre seventeen o nine what the artist has done so well with his brush saint-simon has done still better with his pen the sarcastic duke and peer becomes an enthusiastic admirer a poet when he describes the charms of the princess her eyes the most beautiful and speaking in the world her gallant gracious majestic pose of the head her expressive smile her gait like that of a goddess on the clouds he admires her moral qualities no less even while finding defects in her it pleases him to recognize that she is sweet accessible candid though with due reserve compassionate grieved to cause the least sadness full of consideration for all who come near her gracious to those about her kind to her domestics friendly to her ladies and the soul of the court which adores her all is lacking to every one in her absence all is replenished by her presence her extreme kindness makes her infinitely depended on and her manners attach all hearts nevertheless calumny does not spare her people accuse her in a whisper with certain inconsistencies which malice bruits about and exaggerates they go so far as to pretend that two lovers messieurs de Maulevrier et de nangis are extremely well treated by her they wish to discover serious faults in what is nothing but the desire to please natural to all pretty women madame de caylus says concerning the passion attributed to the duchess for m de nangis i am convinced that this intrigue was carried on by looks or at most by letters i am persuaded of this for two reasons one that madame the dauphiness was too well guarded and the other that nangis was too much in love with another woman who watched him closely and who has said to me that at the times when he was suspected of being with madame the dauphiness she was very sure that he was not because he was with her it was much rather a gallantry than a passion surrounded by a court of witty gossiping and often light young women the duchess of burgundy must more than once have been attacked by malevolent insinuations and the little perfidies which the jealousy inherent in the feminine character allows itself against princesses as well as against private persons the duchess understood it perfectly and was moved and afflicted by it other causes for sadness threw their shadows over an existence apparently so fair and joyous victor amadeus had quarrelled with france and the house of savoy was incurring the greatest dangers 
the duchess of burgundy was obliged to conceal her sentiments for her former country in the depths of her heart but the more necessary it was to hide them the more vivacious they became what a grief to know that her pregnant mother her infirm grandmother her sick brothers and the duke her father were wandering on the piedmont road threatened with utter ruin june twenty first seventeen o six she wrote to her grandmother the widow of charles emmanuel judge what is my anxiety about all that is happening to you loving you so tenderly and having all the affection possible for my father my mother and my brothers i cannot see them in such an unfortunate condition without having tears in my eyes i am in a sadness which no amusement can diminish and which will not depart my dear grandmother until your sorrows do send me news of all that is dearest to me in the world End of section twenty one